Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that introduction. And I also want to thank all my listeners from all over this globe. Every week I look and we have more countries that are um, listening to this show, Never Ever Give Up Hope. We're now in 60 countries. And that indicates to me and, of course, to each of you that people, no matter where we are in on the globe, no matter where we are in our walk of life, we are looking for the same subject and that sub- or same in- encouragement, and that is hope. And that's what this show is all about. No matter what we do, we always are looking for something to encourage us in our endeavors. And many of the guests that I've had on the show, as you know, have overcome extreme circumstances. But whatever we go through, it is relative. And it doesn't matter what area in life that we need encouragement. We all need it. And with me today is someone who I think is going to be a lot of fun because she is a romance novelist. Now, I never got too much into romance novels, but boy, if I do pick one up, I can't put it down. And we always seem to relate when it comes to romance novels. And so I think this is going to be a lot of fun today. And I I thank Rebecca for joining me. Rebecca Owens has been a writer since she was a little girl. So in other words, she has always loved writing. And in 2013, she was able to fulfill her dream of becoming a novelist. She wrote her first novel called A Sister's Love. She is now a member of the Romance Writers of America. And also what's really special to me today is that I had the pleasure of meeting Rebecca in Washington, D.C. last year at a gala affair that we went to for, it was an awards banquet for authors. And so that makes it even more special today. And I look forward to sharing her story with you. I'm really excited to have Rebecca here and welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. And I'm excited to be with you. So this is going to be fun, Rebecca, to hear about your escapades as far as being a romance novelist and what inspired you and some of the hurdles you had to overcome, etc. So let's start with what inspired you to become a romance writer. And if you want to back it up a bit and just talk about your desire to be a writer first, that would be awesome. Okay. What really inspired me was as a child sitting around the heater and listening to my granddad and grandma and some of the elders in the community, you know, talk about stories of way back when and I remember when. And it was really interesting because they would tell you things that happened 
that was exciting. Mm. One of the stories was that my grandmother called the Pentagon <laughs> okay. to, get, to get my uncle off the plane because he was going to Vietnam. And it, it was a tragic story because her oldest uh-huh. son had just passed away oh, and he I was see. in the military. Okay. So she was furious that she wasn't having another son going to Vietnam. And that morning, she called and got the calling numbers, and she called the Pentagon. And, you know, and me and my cousin were sitting there, we were looking at each other, talking about, wow, <laughs> grandma called the Pentagon. And, you know, and elderly folks back then, they kept everything. So one day, you know, when my grandma's out the yard working, we get to digging in the, in the folders and digging in the cabinets. And we actually found the phone bill from 1968. Oh, my word. And it said, you know, we said, oh, look at there, look, 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 you know, it's Washington, D.C. And when we dialed, you know, it's old rotary telephone number. And it said, <laughs> look, it took us forever to get those numbers. And we're sitting there, you know, we're holding that phone each, you know, trying to share it. And the woman says, Pentagon, how can I help you? Oh, my gosh. We slammed that <laughs> phone down. We looked at each other. And my cousin says, I didn't do it. I said, yes, you did. You did. No, you did it. You're the oldest. So, <laughs> so that's, that's really where I started writing. How interesting. And did you write about that story, or I haven't yet, but I'm planning on writing one for my blog for Mother's Day. Okay, so you're and, you're writing a lot of different stories, like lifestyle blog. I do. I I kind of share things that have a lot of meaning to me. Okay, you know, as as far as you know, the nature, you know, okay. the weather, and just you know. Some, especially, you know, for the folks that's living out in the country, you know, this time of the year, you know, you're just riding by and, you know, the just field is just covered with this, this weed that grows and it's got a red top and it is so beautiful when the sun hits it. So that was your, your inspiration to write. Now, what about to become a romance novelist? That's a totally different cup of tea, isn't it? It is. And really... I hadn't decided to become a romance writer. It just kind of fell into that category. But it, my inspiration behind that is is the love. There's so much going on in this world that it's hard for mm. some to open up their hearts to others. And my my reasoning for doing that writing romance is that, and especially inspiration romance, is that you've also got to open up your heart to God. Is that why you refer to it as inspirational romance? It, it it is because it's it's based on Christianity. You, you know, it's it's the like for example, my first novel, A Sister's Love. My book is about that true meaning of a sister's love, and meaning that is that forgiveness. Oh, perfect. And, it, and in order to forgive, you've got to love. Mm-hmm. And in order to love, you've got to open up your heart. And and not only you've got to open up. And once you open up your heart, you're going to be more apt to to open up your heart to God. Now, you're saying that you basically, it's almost like a self-help as because you're inspiring as well as telling a story. Somewhat, yes. and But it's also, you know, that little subtleness of the true meaning of forgiveness. Okay. And why, why are you zeroing in on forgiveness per se? Did you need to forgive your sister for something? Is that what... Why this is, um, you, you've said it a couple times, so that's what I'm trying to, to understand. There's always stuff going on with families. Okay. Strive. Mm-hmm. You always hear tell of, you know, this, this sister's, you know, have an out with this one or this brother and, or these sisters have, mm-hmm. have a disagreement. And it was just, it just, it was just natural. 
and and especially in the bigger the families, the larger the families, yeah. sometimes it seems like the bigger the issues. So are most of your um, stories based on personal experience or are they just, like you said, when you're driving down the street and you, you get an inspire, inspiration? Some of it is. And one part of my book, I bring out a gentleman that is in New York City and his last name is Locklear, but it's spelled different. And that's one of the things that went on. You know, back in the, the 30s and the 40s, that families would fall out with each other, and but they would change the spellings of their names. Family tree would be, you know, half complete because, well, you know, what happened to this branch? <laughs> oh, we don't know. It's because they, they changed the spellings of their names. That's so interesting that you said that because you hear about those feuds. And I didn't realize that that, you know, that they did actually change the spelling of the names. So that's really interesting. And... Now, you decided to become a romance novelist because you basically fell into it. What type of um, – tell us some of your stories. Tell us some of your the, the books that you've written. The one that I'm currently working on at this time is titled When There's Hope for Tomorrow. And once again, it's centered around that theme of hope. And it's dealing with the heroine. She's been ostracized for her fam- by her family for years. And then on the flip side, we have this, mili- this ex-Marine recluse that he's just mad with the world. You know, he's come home from the war. He's, you know, he's an amputee and he's just beside himself. And it's, and it's all about no matter what we're going through in life, there's always hope. You, no matter what's happening, you've still got to look for the positive in things. Never, ever give up hope because even if you're hanging by a thread, you still have a thread to hang from. Right. So you decided to write romance novels. And are those um, epic-type novels or are they current? They're current. Okay. And what kind of, tell us about publishing. Now, I know that you had some struggles trying to get published. So share that story with us from the beginning, please. Okay. When I had first started writing, and it was as a, a hobby. Just, I got this idea, and I started flowing with it. One day, it was sitting on the end of my desk, and my coworker walked by, and she, she loves to read. And she says, Beg, what's this? I said, oh, just something I'm working on. She says, can I read it? I said, sure. I didn't think nothing of it. It was probably about maybe 200 pages. So after she read it, she looked at me, and she says, where's the rest? I said, that's it. She says, no, no, you've got to finish this. I said, really? So then I finished it. So then I got, well, you know, I've written it. What am I going to do with it? So then I started doing research, started looking into pub, um, publishing. So I said it, submitted it to several literary agents, and then the, it just began to grow and grow. After about the 298th rejection email, oh, that my said goodness. It, it said it wasn't marketable, it wasn't realistic, it just wasn't interesting. I says, okay, what am I going to do now? My husband works third, so I was always up late at night. So I'm sitting there at the, my, my laptop, and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? And I was on the verge of deleting it. I, mm. was, you know, I was just sitting right there, getting you know, just getting ready to hit the delete button. And then something spoke to me and said, self-publish. And I backed away, and I said, no, I don't want to do that because, you know, you have to invest your time, and you have to – it was just – at that time, it was it was new to the industry, and it was a kind of an unknown territory. And something says, think about it. Wait until tomorrow. So then I started doing some more research on it. And I says, well, this is probably a one-time shot. And I really wanted my book – I really wanted to have that book in my hand to be able to say, I did it. 
So mm-hmm. I, I went with this company and I self-published. And it, at first I thought, you know, I sell it, I sell it or give it away, you know, to my, my friends and families at, at my husband's employer. I think he sold maybe 150 copies. Really? <laughs> really. <laughs> Every night he went to work, he had his big backpack with, with his oh, books no, in it. Oh, that's incredible. And, and I had um, I had hand signed all of his name in it, and he had his little list, and it, it was it was humorous and it, it was exciting to me. And I've sold some locally here in my hometown of Pembroke. They're on display at the North Carolina Natural. Native American Museum at UNC Pembroke, and then I have some um, on display at the um, local Holiday Inn. So they've been very supportive. Now tell me, you mentioned Native American. Is that is a, a kind of a, a genre that you use in your writing? Is it Native American um, influence? No. No, not really. It's only in my first novel, A Sister's Love, that I bring out that Native American okay. culture. And it, it's – I wanted to give readers an idea that even though families <clears> – excuse me – even though families may have their differences, when there's a crisis that happens, mm. we come together. That's right. And And – there we there's just there, there's things that we do within the community that I I haven't found anywhere else. Especially when there's a death in the family, they all come together and they say, "What do you need? What do we need to help you do?" That's heartwarming, isn't it? It is. So tell us, Rebecca, what were some of the hurdles you jumped over? Some of the hoops you had to jump through when you decided to to self-publish, and what were some of the procedures that you went through, and some of the struggles in that? The hardest struggle was the editing. I had went through several editors, and now are these professional editors or people that were friends, or what did these these were folks that I had found on a freelance website okay Okay. and and once again I I was in the learning process so I was willing to accept any help I could get to learn as I because I knew it was going to be some stumbles to learn as I went one of the biggest hurdles was some of the editors one editor she wanted me to take out the um the Christianity okay she said I, I needed to be a little bit more subtle and and I told her I says no you either you are you're not you can't straddle the fence this, the biggest hurdle of all was the the way I wrote my book was the way that we speak in the southern North Carolina area. And it's, and it's with a dialect that some can understand and some cannot. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to emphasize that really and truly, this is the way we talk when <laughs> we're in the backyard, you know, with that big barbecue. And, Let's oh hear you talk when you're in the backyard. Hey, go over yonder and bring me that bucket. And what did you just say? I said, hey, go over there and bring me that bucket. <laughs> oh, that's too sweet. Okay, go on. And So the editor wanted to take that flair out, right? Right. They were saying, you know, that people really didn't speak that way. And I'm saying, yes, we do. <laughs> 
and I remember years ago as a child, we had some um, a professor to come through our community, and he and he was riding around on the back of a truck. They had this big recorder and we had this big microphone, and it was during the time of where you know, it was planting season, you know, for tobacco and crops mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of the elderly folks, you know, especially after school, you know, all the kids, we you know, we would go out and we'd have to help, you know, plant the, the garden or plant, you know, the fields. And he was having some of the elders, you know, talk to him through this microphone. And I think they were from Berkeley, California. But anyway, the study came out that said that we spoke the old English dialect. And they had done this big study on it. And I thought that was so cool, you know, to have this guy, you know, saying, (laughs) say this word for me. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, gosh, we talk (laughs) like this all the time. So give us an example of one of those words. Um, Speak it. Okay. You know, we, we, we say speak it when it's actually, you know, the faucet, speak it. So she had you take out, um, or she wanted to take out some of that flair, and she wanted to take out the Christianity. What other hurdles did you have to overcome? And did you stick with that editor? I, I did not. I I moved on, and I and I said, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And and that is, a, it's, it's old cliche, or old, old Southern saying, and I said, you know, there's more than one way to get around of what I want to do. So I just kept looking. And finally, I found this this gentleman, and he's in um, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And he helped me edit my book. And he done a, I think he helped me get, get where I needed to be with it. Now, what do you – can you give maybe some um, suggestions of how to go about finding an editor and what you should actually pay for an editor for people who are up-and-coming uh, authors? That is still a learning process for okay. me. I have found several resources on LinkedIn. Okay. As far as editing, you have different stages of editing. If you want the, there's you have the basics of making sure that you have the correct pronunciation, making sure you have the correct sentence format. And then getting in the, the detailed, you also have, does your does your story make sense? Does your story evoke feelings? Then you have the point of view. Do, what point of view are you telling it in? Are you giving it a, you know, a one-person point of view? Or, or are you giving it an ominescent point of view? Are you where you're like a godlike figure where you're just looking down at everything that's going on and not that character's point of view. And that's really what the literary agents are looking for is that they want that point of view of your character. And it's very hard to do because you're trying to explain without actually telling your reader what's happening. You're, it's, it's a roundabout way. So give us an example of that if you can, like just expound on that a little bit. I had I had one in in my manuscript that I've been working on in in a scene, and it and it's where where there where you're describing, you know, where you're in the part of where you're describing your character of where her blue eyes looked out across the ocean. If you're in that character's point of view, she's not going to be able to know that her eyes are blue, even mm. though she automatically knows her eyes are blue. Okay, that's that's one of the the examples. Another example would be her red nose twitched as as the wind, as the cold wind was blowing. How is she going to know her red? How does she know her nose is going to be red? Because really, you can't see it. Okay. That's an, an example. 
Perfect example. Yes. Now, did you take writing courses? I've been taking some recently. And do you recommend writing courses? And if so, what kind? I do recommend. They're very helpful as far as as giving you opening up your writing ability, helping, helping you to be able to make your story more real, more realistic. You want to evoke those emotions of that care of, of your reader. And one of the examples is internal and external conflicts. Every book that you will read, especially in the romance genre, it's going to have those external and those internal conflicts. You may think it's easy, but it's not. It, it's hard because you're thinking and you're saying, okay, I've got the hero and I've got the hero. I want them together. But <laughs> one of the conflicts is you just can't, you know, you, in the middle of the story, in the beginning of the story, you just can't bring them together and everybody be leveling doubly because then you're going <laughs> to say, huh. This is boring. Put those internal conflicts in there and external conflicts to, you know, to keep those, keep your hero and heroine apart. And of course, in the end, you know, they're going to get together because you want your reader to say the whole time, okay, how how are they going to do this? How are they going to work this out? You know, he's over there in Alabama and she's over there in Kentucky. How are we going to get these two people back together? So are you telling me that all your stories have happy endings? They do. Don't all romance novels have happy endings? Endings, they do, and that's one of the criteria for it being a romance novel. Okay, I've I've had young teenagers to buy my book, and then I'd see them later, and they'd tell me how how they enjoyed it. Oh, that's all, nice. All the way up to my my aunt that's my aunts that are in their sixties. And how many have you written so far? I've only written one that's that's published, The Sister's Love, but I'm currently working on five other manuscripts. And why five? Five different stories? Five different stories. It's just ideas that I came across. And are you close to publishing any of those? or With When There's Hope for Tomorrow, that's the one that I'm really focusing on at this time. That's okay. the one that I'm really seeing if I can get that one published. And are you going to go with the same uh, self-publishing house? or This time I'm looking at traditional publishing. Oh, really? Okay, so you'll you'll go through um, sending your manuscript to a publisher again and hopefully not get 298 uh, rejection letters like the last time, right? <laughs> hopefully not. But... How in the world did you handle that? How did you handle, like at what point did you just, what made you persevere? That is an awful lot of rejection letters. I, I think my distu- my stubbornness and my determination. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> so that pays off, in other words. Just keep right. plugging along. What sets you apart, do you think, uh, for your type of stories? Anything in particular? Or are they all very different? What sets you apart as a as a romance novelist compared to, say, somebody else? Like gearing to a special audience or just romance in general? Or like you'd mentioned the war a couple times. I'm just wondering, like, is there is there a common thread that runs through your novels? And are you going to have a series? What sets me apart from others is that, that I love history. And there's so much, especially within the families, that hasn't been told. Really, others may think that are not interesting, 
But in today's, I think in today's world, it is interesting because these are things that happened way back in the 50s and the 40s. And you're thinking, gosh, how did you get through that? Mm. And so your stories are written with the struggles of that time. Things that happened within family, I think, builds the characters of who we are. And are you thinking of doing a series, like having, you know, like say three in a series or something of the same characters in the same book, in the, in the different books? I am. My other novel that I've been working on, A Family's Love, A Family's Love, Noel Story. Noel is a character that I introduced in the first story, A Sister's Love. Mm. She lives in New York City. She thinks that she was, she's an orphan. It's not until the the lady that raised her until she passes that she realizes that that was actually her aunt. She gets brought back to North Carolina with Flo and, and Flo's the main character in A Sister's Love. And it's not until that time that she she discovers that she's rigidly has family ties in North Carolina. So at, at this time, she's beside herself because She's overwhelmed with all these people, you know, just showing her, emo- you know, just showing her love. And it's just like, I can't handle this. Now, do you feel that there's some mystery as a result of that in your stories? I do, because I love mystery, because I think that's what makes it so interesting. So do you think you might do more of that type of um, mystery romance novels? or? I, I do. In every, in every one of my my manuscripts that I've been working on, there's always a, a mystery that's in the. It's kind of subtle in the background. Okay. It's not until the end of the book that I reveal it. So this must be exciting for you because you know the end of the story before you write it, right? I or- do. I always, <laughs> I always know how it starts off. Okay. And I always know the ending. It's the middle parts that always give me the most trouble. <laughs> So do you plan on, you said you have five in the works. Do you plan on doing them like one right after the other? Or are they pretty well? I know that you, you said the family's love is going to be the first one. But after that, do you think they'll just punch them out? Like, does it get easier, in other words, to encourage those who may be trying to do the same thing? I, with with this, I think it is getting easier because I actually have poster boards and I've written out my ideas as far as, you know, the internal conflicts, the external conflicts and written out my characters, you know, and, and what their characteristics are. And it, it is getting easier. Any words of advice, Rebecca, for someone who's starting out or who's thinking about it? Any words of advice? Yes. Do lots of research. And when you say research, what do you mean? Research on what genre that you're interested in writing. Learn what the industry is doing in that, with that genre. Not necessarily copy what the other, of course, you don't want to do that, mm-hmm. what the other authors are doing, but get a sense of what that genre is. And then start taking some classes as far as writing because it's really beneficial and it's really helpful. And it, it was kind of interesting. I just finished up several classes last month and I was looking and I, I was looking at my first novel and I was like, wow, I did this and didn't even realize that I had external and internal conflicts. Amazing. And in we're doing the right thing, in other words. Right. And we, you know, we always say, oh, we got drama going on. You know, that, and 
I would when I would go over my manuscript, you know, I'd be marking them saying, OK, I need more drama. I need more drama. That, that's the way I was characterizing it. But it's not. It's in that internal and external conflict. And the, the other advice that I would give is don't take it too personally when you do get those rejection emails, because I've learned that not all, but some literary agents, they are focused on what's going to sell at of that course. moment. Yeah. And, and it's, it's all in a trend. That doesn't necessarily mean that your manuscript may not be good at this time, but who says down the road it's not? And there's always... And have more avenues to get where you need to be. But then again, self-publishing is really becoming a, a focus in the market because there's more and more people self-publishing. Do you recommend that or, or how do you recommend finding a, a someone to help you with the self-publishing as far as the printing, etc.? Doing research, um, going, going online. And looking at some of the books that are selling and looking at, you know, who published their books and, okay. and doing research on that company. Fair enough. That's actually a very good idea. Any any other words of advice or encouragement you want to give anyone who's trying to do this? Yes. No matter what, keep hope because you, you can do it. I started, you know, working on it. My first manuscript, I think my first book, it took me really five years to write it. I wrote a little bit, you know, I'd write mm -hmm. on it maybe this weekend and I'd put it down and I wouldn't touch it again for three and four months. Mm. I eventually learned you need to, if you're going to seriously write, you need to try to write every day. Whether it's a paragraph or a page, you need to focus yourself on writing, putting down your thoughts and your ideas. And whatever you write, don't throw it away because you can always when I edited some of my stuff with um, When There's Hope for Tomorrow, uh -huh. I've actually got 15 pages that I took out. Hmm. I'm going to use that in another story. Oh, good idea. Okay. Yeah. So that goes back to not, not, not don't delete anything that you write because you may use it down the road. Do you think you'll ever write anything outside of romance? Yes. I've actually started a manuscript, and it's about two guys. There is is kids. They're they're, well, they're, they're kids. They're, they're right at the teenage age, and they're from the different sides of the tracks. One's a rich guy, and one is a he's living with his grandparents, so he's kind of that middle class. Mm -hmm. And how they meet is that one steps up. And, and keeps another kid from bullying him, and they become friends. Mm. And I'm writing about their life and their struggles as they go from that eight, nine-year-old in the teenager, in the high school, and in the college. I'm not sure what genre it's going to fit into yet, <laughs> but it's a story of the title of it's going to be He is My Brother. Even though they're not related, they've, it, they've always been by each other by He's My Brother. And, and within the story, you know, they talk about how, you know, one is always coming to the rescue for another one. Why do you think, other than the obvious answer, why do you think that romance sells so well? I think people in general like that happy ever ending. Okay. And then with the the things that are going on in today's world, people like that that little it's like a stress reliever. They like to escape into somebody else's life. I think that's you hit it right there. I think it's a, the escape. 
Absolutely. Okay. Is there anything else, Rebecca, that you think of that you might want to share? Not that I can think of. Okay. Well, I think you pretty well covered it, both in intriguing us to read your novels and looking forward to the next one that are coming out. And also for the input you've given, I have had a couple authors on here who have given similar tips. And I think it's always good to hear, you know, that what you said, don't give up, keep going. If this is what you want to do, then fulfill that dream. Do it. Right. And it gets exciting, doesn't it? It's a very exciting. It is. And and there's so many books now that are out there as far as helping you start out writing and helping you getting your ideas together. And my family, they pick at me all the time because I'll be saying, bring me that notebook, bring me that notebook. (laughs) And my husband will say, which one? Because there's five in here. So is that basically what you do? You just jot down ideas as you go or? I I do. I get my ideas, it's like a movie and it plays over and over and over and I can't concentrate until I get it written down. Once I get it written down and I know it's in a safe place, then I can move on. Do you ever get up in the middle of the night and write? I do. <laughs> I think every every author does that. <laughs> I actually, a lot of times I've actually fallen asleep with my laptop and all my papers oh, in the bed. Funny. It's so funny because when my husband comes home from work in the morning, he will say, oh, can I get in the bed? I'm tired. No room. <laughs> and what do you like to read? Do you like to read romance or what else do you like to read, Rebecca? I do like to read um if I if, if I read anything I try to read it that's several years well or at least 10 years older I try not to read nothing current because I don't want mm. it to influence mm-hmm. what I'm writing and I do like to write a lot I, I do like to read a lot of newspaper articles i've actually pulled newspaper articles that just give me an idea of a story right that makes a lot of sense of course and that would yeah that's would definitely an inspiration for you and I, I do like to read a lot of stuff on history and when you say history any any um thing in particular no i i, I like it all okay perfect so what i'm what i'm thinking is is there going to be any any Native American roots that you might want to write a, a novel about for, you know, a couple hundred years old? Have you thought about that at all? I have. It, it, it's it's kind of tricky. It's, it's which way, where do I go with it? You know, how, how do I weave the story? Of course, that's where your research comes in, right? Right. <laughs> well, thank you, Rebecca. That's been very motivating, I'm sure, for many people who are would really like to write in this genre. And so that's been an encouragement. And also we definitely will promote your novels now that we have gotten a chance to get to know you a little bit. And as you write them, as you get them published, definitely let me know so we can add that to your uh, list of, of books that you will be uh, that will be available. I'm assuming your first one is available on Amazon. It is. Okay, very good. Anything in closing, Rebecca, that you'd like to add? I appreciate the opportunity of you interviewing me. Oh, absolutely. Love it. And it, like I said in the beginning, it was so nice to have met you. So I, you. I, I can see you 
you know, as as we're talking. And who knows, we might meet again. Thank you very much, Rebecca, and we will definitely stay in touch. And I appreciate everything you shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.